You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. We're going to do things a little differently. We usually stand for the reading of God's Word out of respect and reverence for it, and certainly we do uh, not want to negate that, but we have a lot to read uh, tonight. So what we're going to do is we're going to pray, and we're going to start with a word of prayer, and then we're just going to get right into the the text today. We have a lot to turn to, and I will not ask you to stand because you will be standing for a little bit, and uh, because we have a lot of different places to go. So let's just go ahead and start with a word of prayer into the message. Lord, we thank you so much for the blessings of the day, and ask that you would speak to us, Lord, not because of us, but in spite of us. Please, Holy Spirit, have free reign. And speak to hearts and show them the truths of your word. I know that many are struggling and so many times we struggle with burdens that we ought not carry. We struggle with burdens because of the devil whispering in our ear. It's instead of you speaking to our hearts. And Lord, any burden that comes from your word, any burden of conviction that comes from your word speaking to our hearts, Lord, we gladly bear it. But if there are burdens that we are carrying right now only because the devil is lying to us, help those to be dropped tonight and to move forward for you and for your glory. We ask this in your name. Amen. I'm going to try to answer tonight why some marriages do not last when they could. I'm going to try to answer tonight why some parents give up on their kids before any reason to give up is there. I want to try to answer why some people walk out of the will of God for their own lives feeling like a failure or deeply discouraged when they should not feel that way. I'm not saying that they are perfect and that they have nothing to work on, but the devil is very good at getting people to quit when God doesn't want you to. And he's very good at telling you that You not only should quit, but that you must quit when that is not true. I want to try to answer why some churches fail when and they shut down, they close down when they ought not. And I want to do that by looking at several different passages of Scripture, and I hope to be an encouragement. Let's start with Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23, and we'll begin in verse 20. For those of you taking notes tonight, I hope that you have much ink in your pen. There's a lot of scripture that we will go to, and then uh, statements that I want you to take down. I feel I've done well recently with shorter messages. I do not know that I can promise you that tonight. I have something important to tell you, and uh, if it is long, I hope it doesn't feel long. May the Lord work in spite of the speaker. Verse 20 of Exodus chapter 23. Behold, I send an angel before thee to keep thee in the way and to bring thee into the place which I have prepared. Let's talk about historical context. God is speaking to the nation of Israel. And what is the place that he has prepared for them but the land of Canaan, the promised land? 
Beware of him and obey his voice. Provoke him not, for he will not pardon your transgressions, for my name is in him. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. For mine angels shall go before thee and bring thee in unto the Amorites, the Hittites, and the Perizzites, and the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. See, Canaan was preoccupied land. But I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy water. And I will take thy sickness away from the midst of thee. Lord, let it be so. There shall nothing cast their young, nor be barren in thy land. The number of thy days I will fulfill. I will send my fear before thee, and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come. And I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. And I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, and the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out before thee in one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. Wait a second, what? By little and little... I will drive them out from before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. Very interesting. I will set thy bounds from the Red Sea, even unto the Sea of the Philistines and from the desert unto the river. For I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand and thou shalt drive them out before thee. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with thy gods. They shall not dwell in thy land, lest they make thee sin against me. For if thou serve their gods, it will surely be a snare unto thee. Deuteronomy chapter 7. Now that generation that was spoken to in Exodus done messed up. This is a new one. But notice, notice what he says. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 22. And the Lord thy God will put out those nations before thee by little and little. Thou mayest not consume them at once, lest the beast of the field increase upon thee. But the Lord thy God shall deliver them unto thee and shall destroy them with a mighty destruction until they be destroyed. And he shall deliver their kings into thine hand and thou shalt destroy their name from under heaven. There shall no man be able to stand before thee until thou have destroyed them. Now let's talk about them actually being in the land. Joshua chapter 11. So Exodus 23 and Deuteronomy chapter 7 are promises before they go into Canaan. Now they are actually in Canaan. Let's see what happens. Joshua chapter 11, verse 15. As the Lord commanded Moses, his servant, so did Moses command Joshua, and so did Joshua. He left nothing undone of all that the Lord commanded Moses. So Joshua took all that land, the hills, and all the south country, and all the land of Goshen, and the valley, and the plain, and the mountain of Israel, and the valley of the same, even from the Mount Halak that goeth up unto Seir, even to Baalgad and the valley of Lebanon, under Mount Hermon, and all their kings he took and smote them and slew them, Joshua made war a long time with those kings. Do you see that? There was not a city that made peace with the children of Israel, save the Hivites, the inhabitants of Gibeon, 
which God was not pleased with, by the way, all other they took in battle. For it was of the Lord to harden their hearts that they should come against Israel in battle, that he might destroy them utterly, and that they might have no favor, but that he might destroy them as the Lord commanded Moses. Joshua chapter 13. Look at the end of chapter 12. See the list of all those kings there? 31 kings that Joshua conquered when he first got into the land. 31. Long time. Long time at war to do that. That didn't happen overnight, did it? Let's keep reading. Now Joshua was old and stricken in years, and the Lord said unto him, Thou art old and stricken in years, and there remaineth yet very much land to be possessed. 31 kings, long time making war, still so much to go. This is the land that yet remaineth, all the borders of the Philistines, and all Geshuri from Sihor, which is before Egypt, even unto the borders of Ekron northward, which is counted to the Canaanite, five lords of the Philistines, the Gezathites, the Ashtathites, the Eshkelonites, the Gittites, the Ekronites, also the Avites, from the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Merah that is beside the Sidonians, unto Aphek, to the borders of the Amorites, and the land of the Giblites, and all Lebanon toward the sun rising, from Baalgad under Mount Hermon, unto the entering into Hamath, all the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon into Mizrephothmaim, first try, and all the Sidonians, them will I drive out from before the children of Israel, only divide thou it unto the Israelites for an inheritance as I have commanded thee. That's a lot of land that still needs to be possessed. Chapter 15, verse 63. All of that land that needs to be possessed, God says, Joshua, you're too old to do all of that by yourself. Just start dividing the land to the people, and the people need to fight those battles themselves. What's kind of the leading tribe? What's the leading tribe? Judah, right? So Judah gets their portion, and look at what happens. They, they take a lot of ground. They take a lot of ground right away, but notice what happens in chapter 15, verse 63. As for the Jebusites, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the, the children of Judah could not drive them out. But the Jebusites dwell with the children of Judah at Jerusalem unto this day. And it wasn't until David that they were taken out. Chapter 16, verse 9 and 10. And the separate cities for the children of Ephraim were among the inheritance of the children of Manasseh, all the cities with their villages. And they drave not out the Canaanites that dwelt in Gezer. Wait a second. So you have Judah that says we cannot drive them out. And now you have Ephraim and Manasseh. They didn't even try. They drave not out the Canaanites. But the Canaanites dwell among the Ephraimites unto this day. Oh, and get this. And serve under tribute. If you're strong enough to make them serve under tribute, okay, chapter 17, verse 8. Now Manasseh had the land of Tapua, but Tapua on the border of Manasseh belonged to the children of Ephraim. So they're, they're bordering right here. And the coast descended unto the river Cana, Southward of the river, these cities of Ephraim are among the cities of, the, of Manasseh. The coast of Manasseh also was on the north side of the river, and the outgoings of it were at the sea. Southward it was Ephraim's, and northward it was Manasseh's, and the sea is his border. And they met together in Asher on the north, and Issachar on the east. And Manasseh had an Issachar, and an Asher, Bethshean in her towns, and Iblium in her towns, and the inhabitants of Dor in her towns, and the inhabitants of Endor in her towns, and the inhabitants of Tanakh in her towns, and the inhabitants of Megiddo in her towns, even three countries. Yet... 
The children of Manasseh could not drive out the inhabitants of those cities, but the Canaanites would dwell in that land. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxen strong that they put the Canaanites to tribute, but did not utterly drive them out. And the children of Joseph, which is Ephraim and Manasseh, spake unto Joshua, saying, Why hast thou given me but one lot and one portion to inherit, seeing I am a great people? For as much as the Lord hath blessed me hitherto, and Joshua answered them, If thou be a great people, then get thee up to the wood country, and cut down for thyself there in the land of the Perizzites and of the giants." If Mount Ephraim be too narrow for thee. And the children of Joseph said, The hill is not enough for us, and all the Canaanites that dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both they who are of Bethshean and her towns, and they who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spake unto the house of Joseph, even to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, Thou art a great people, and hast great power. You remember who you fight for, right? You remember the same one who parted the Red Sea? And, and Jericho, that didn't happen too long ago. Thou, thou art a great people, and thou hast power, great power. Thou shalt not have one lot only, but the mountain shall be thine, for it is a wood, and thou shalt cut it down, and the outgoings of it shall be thine. For thou shalt drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots, and though they be strong. Chapter 18, and the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of the congregation there. And the land was subdued before them. And there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, how long are ye slack to go to possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? It's time to get moving. I said a couple times recently that this book is a call to holiness. You cannot read the Bible without seeing that God desires for you to live a holy life. This book reveals God's demand for holiness. It's not a suggestion. It's a demand for holiness. It reveals his plan for holiness. It reveals his promise to help you with holiness. It reveals his punishment for unholiness. It reveals his reward for holiness. Everyone who is not on their way to holiness is living in active opposition against God's will and God's word. But for those people who are on the way to holiness, there is a lesson that I want you to grasp tonight about this way to holiness. And here's what it is. The way to holiness is not a speedway. It's a stairway. Holiness is not reached overnight. Sanctification is a process. Holiness is not reached over a month. Holiness is not reached over a year. Holiness is something that takes a lifetime. Holiness is reached little by little. Surely, but slowly. Slowly, but always Surely, for he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it immediately until the day of Jesus Christ. The way to holiness is not a speedway. It is a stairway. Holiness is not reached by running 100 miles per hour. It is reached step by step. And I want you to get that in your minds. 
Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use the verses that we just read to make eight statements. The first five are going to be by way of introduction, and the last three are going to be application. The first five are going to be triage, and the last three are going to be surgery. The first five is going to be what, and the last three are going to be so what. I hope in every message you ask, so what? And if I can't give you a so what, then so what? <laughs> when you read the Bible, you will come across physical people, places, and things that picture spiritual truths. Egypt is a picture of, Bethel is a picture of, house of God. David is a picture of Christ the King. Ruth is a picture of the church, the Gentile bride. The Passover day is a picture of our salvation. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And Canaan is not a picture of heaven. There's a good song that we sing. Canaan land is just in sight. It's great, but it's not a perfect picture. Canaan is a picture of the victorious Christian life. Canaan is what happens after God delivers you from Egypt, which is a picture of salvation, when he delivers you from the bondage of the world and says, this is where we're going to go. I have a place prepared for you. That is not heaven. That is a victorious Christian life because there are blessings in Canaan. There's a, a land flowing with milk and honey, and there are certainly blessings of the Christian life, but there are also enemies there. The Canaanites live there, and that is a picture of our sin. As Canaanites dwelled in the land, sin dwells in us. We have enemies that still dwell in the land, the world, the flesh, and the devil. And therefore, there are battles to fight in Canaan. And doesn't the Bible say the spirit lusteth against the flesh and the flesh lusteth against the spirit? These two are contrary one to another. It is constantly a battle. Now, with this picture fresh in your mind, that Canaan is a picture of the victorious Christian life. With that picture fresh in your mind, what can we learn from these verses that we just read? Statement number one, and I'll be saying these all throughout. So if you miss one, it's all good. Statement number one, what can we learn? God desires for all sin to be driven out from your life. God desires for all sin to be driven out from your life. Listen to these verses just for sake of time. We read them already, but listen to them. Is Exodus 23 23 and 24. For mine angels shall go before thee, bring thee in unto the Amorites and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites, the Hivites and the Jebusites, and I will cut them off. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. 23, 27. I will send my fear before thee and will destroy all the people to whom thou shalt come, and I will make all thine enemies turn their backs unto thee. 23, 28, I will send hornets before thee, which shall drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before thee. 23, 31 through 33, I will deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand, and thou shalt drive them out before thee. Thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor with their gods. They shall not dwell in thy land. As God desired for all the heathen to be driven out from the land of Canaan, so God desires for all of your sin to be driven out from your life. He had a no-tolerance policy when it came to the Canaanites. They have all got to go. None of them can stay. And likewise, God has a no-tolerance policy when it comes to sin in your life. It all needs to go from the smallest white lie to the largest act of hate and murder and defiance and pride, it all must go. Be ye holy for 
for I am holy. Statement number two, God desires for all sin to be driven out from your life as soon as possible. As soon as possible. Nobody desires for you to live a holy life more than God wants you to live a holy life. Nobody wants you to live like Christ more than God wants you to live like Christ. Nobody hates your sin more than God hates your sin. And nobody wants to get the sin out of your life quicker than God wants to get the sin out of your life. Just as God promised the Israelites, I will drive them out from before thee. God is constantly ever working in your life to get the sin out of your life as soon as possible. But notice with me, something shocking. As soon as possible may not be as soon as we think. And as soon as possible may not even be as soon as we'd like. As soon as possible may be years down the line. He says this. I want every one of those heathen people gone. I want them gone as soon as possible. And I will help you to drive them out. But I will not drive them out before thee in one year. He says this in Deuteronomy 7, thou mayest not consume them at once. Why? Why not, Lord? If you want them gone so badly, why not just get rid of them in one fell swoop? And his answer is you're not ready for that. You are not strong enough yet to win every battle that it's going to take in order to drive out every Canaanite. Don't get me wrong, I want them gone more than anybody, but I will not drive them out from before the end one year, lest the land become desolate and the beasts of the field multiply against thee. By little and little, I will drive them out before thee until thou be increased and inherit the land. God, God desires all sin to be driven out from your life. God desires all sin to be driven out from your life as soon as possible. Number three, God accomplishes that desire little by little. God accomplishes that desire little by little. <laughs> Defeating sin is more than just engaging with it in battle. It's more to it than that. It's making sure that you're strong enough to win the battle. But then... Making sure that you're strong enough to handle the void that will be left where that sin used to reside. Do you want to defeat the sin of alcohol in your life? Do you think God wants you to defeat the sin of alcohol? Sure, he does. And as soon as possible. But he might know. Now stick with me. Stick with me. Because I'm getting out on thin ice here, but I want you to stick with me. He might know that if you tried to fight that right now, you couldn't win it. And you're not strong enough to win that one. Or, or maybe he knows you're strong enough to win that one, but are you strong enough to fill your schedule with spiritual things on the weekends that your alcohol used to fill? Because reformation without replacement brings relapse. You want to defeat the sin of addiction in your life. God wants that for you too. He wants it gone as soon as possible. But he might know 
You're not strong enough to win that one yet. Or maybe you are strong enough to win that one yet, but are you strong enough to replace that addiction with something spiritual that will fulfill you? Do you want to defeat the sin of bitterness? God wants that for you too. And he wants that for you as soon as possible. But he might know that if you tried to fight that battle right now, you're not strong enough to win that one. He may need to wait until you are increased in some other areas before you're ready to not only defeat that bitterness, but you're also ready to make sure that nothing worse is going to come in where it used to be. Aha! So God's okay with my alcohol. And God is okay with my addiction. And God is okay with my bitterness because I've been struggling with it for about 20 years now. And God's cool with it, right? Because little by little. No, no, no. He is no more excusing or allowing your sin than he was excusing or allowing those Canaanites to dwell in the land. He said, they shall not, they shall not, they shall not dwell in thy land. Listen, here is all God is saying. He commands for your sin to be driven out, but he understands it's going to be a process. He commands for your sin to be driven out. He understands it's going to be a process. Remember how Jesus told of that man who had a devil leave from him? But the man was not strong enough to replace. The man was not strong enough to replace that devil with something spiritual in his life. So one day the devil returned, found the man's life still open and ready for possession, but to make sure that he was not so easily evicted again, he goes out and he finds seven more devils, even more wicked than himself, and takes over, and Jesus says the last state of that man is worse than the first. Okay, wait, 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 wait. It would have been better. (sighs) He's not saying it's good. It would have been better. To say something is better is not to say that something's good, right? If I am going to be sentenced to death, I would say death by decapitation is better than burning at the stake. I'm not saying that this is good. (laughs) I'm not saying that. But the choice between the two is better than... And Jesus says it would have been better for the man to have kept the first devil until he was strong enough not only to drive him out, but to keep him out. Rather than to fight a battle he wasn't ready to win and to go from one devil to eight. Does that mean that Jesus is okay with that man being possessed with the devil? No. He's simply saying, if you try too quickly to go from bad to good, you might very easily go from bad to worse. Listen, holiness is not an immediate product. It is a gradual process. Holiness is not an immediate product. It is a gradual process. And if you try to seize the product without the process, you're going to hurt yourself. My goal may be to bench 350 pounds. That is a good goal. Wonderful goal. That is the product that I want. That ain't immediate. If I were to go up and try that right away, I'd hurt myself. If I'm ever going to reach that goal, I will reach it little by little. Start off with a can of peas. (laughs) And then you go a little further. And then you go a little further. Until you are increased. And then you can take on the 350 pounds. So if anybody wants to walk away and say that God is okay with your sin, that God's patience with your sin is permission for your sin, 
you are completely misunderstanding the mind of God here. He demands holiness from his children. Sin must be driven out, but he drives it out little by little. Sanctification doesn't happen overnight. It's a process. Holiness is not, the way to holiness is not a speedway. It is a stairway. It's not a flat, it's not a flat way that you run at full speed. It is an ascending way that God helps you walk step by step, inch by inch, Niagara Falls. Lord. Nobody got that. You got it? You got it, Miss Carol? Okay, good. Miss Carol and Brother Darren, fantastic. Three Stooges people, no? Okay. All right, think about the life of Paul. Think about the life of Paul, okay? Did he become the great Christian we see him to be throughout Scripture overnight? Over a year or over a lifetime? It was that same great Christian who at the very beginning of his ministry wrote a little chapter called Romans chapter 7. And he says this throughout it, that which I do I allow not, for that I would, that do I not, but what I hate, that do I. Now then, it is no longer, it is no more I that do it, but get this, sin that dwelleth in me. Paul had come a long way from when he had gotten saved, had he not? Come a long way from that. And he was at that moment writing the grandest book of doctrine that we have in the entire Bible. And yet he says, I still have sin that dwells within me that needs to get out. Even much later in his Christian life, he says this, I count not myself to have apprehended. I still have a long way to go. I'm still experiencing the sanctification process. In fact, I die daily. Think about David. Think about Moses. Think about Jacob. Think about Solomon. Think about Peter. Think about John. Think about James, etc. You can find in the lives of each of those men, God was still working to drive out sin that dwelt in their heart long after he gained their heart. Think about what we read about Israel's conquest of the promised land. The first chapters of Joshua are filled with victory after victory over the heathen that dwelt in the land. But the Bible qualifies those victories by saying this. Joshua made war a long time with all those kings. A long time. Sanctification is a gradual process. We read those 31 kings that were, oh, defeated, defeated, defeated. Wait, that took a long time. God desires for all sin to be driven out from your life. He desires for all sin to be driven out from your life as soon as possible. He accomplishes that desire little by little. Number four, some sins are easily conquered. Number five, some sins are entrenched. Some sins have the high ground in your life. Some sins have iron chariots. Some of you were able to drive out some sins when you first got saved. But then you still have sins that you're struggling with to this day. They're stuck up there. They've, they've, they have got, they are, it is fortified up in there. Now that does not mean you can't defeat them. With God on your side, there are no sins that you can't drive out from your life, though they have iron chariots and though they be strong. Thou art a great people. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Thou hast great power.
power. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And the Bible says in John chapter 16, 17, somewhere in there, all that the Father hath is mine. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to take whatever's mine and he's going to give it to you. So I understand that there are some that are entrenched. I understand that there are some that have iron chariots. But you can defeat even the most entrenched sins in your life. But it will take time. Preacher Gomez, my preacher, when he got saved, he was a wild man. 21 years old, saved out of the Catholic Church, fighting, drinking, all, all that stuff. And he said, when I first got saved, I stopped fighting. That was easy for me, stop fighting. And I stopped being lazy on Saturdays and Sundays. I went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And he stopped not soul winning, which is a sin that you need to conquer. I saw the giant of laziness. I will witness, now I know. I want that mountain, it belongs to me. And, and Preacher Gomez took that mountain right away. But there was one, smoking. And how he says it is, I had a lot of sins before I got saved, but there was one that had me. And smoking had him, smoking was entrenched. It took years, but he finally got victory over it. Now, was God okay with him having that sin? In his life until that point, no. But he was patient until he was increased. And he was able to drive it out through the power of the Lord. All of us have sins in our life that God wants out, but they're entrenched in our lives, and it's difficult to drive them out. It's going to take more time than some other sins. It's going to take a stronger soldier. It's going to take a stronger battle. It's going to take a longer battle. And God understands that. He understands it. The way to holiness is not a speedway. It's a stairway. It's not reached at 100 miles an hour. It's reached step by step. So what does that mean for us? Statement number six. Always seek to conquer more land. Always. I want that mountain. It belongs to me. Always seek to conquer. Don't you love when the Lord does that? Just works out a song with the message. Always seek to drive out sin. God acknowledges that it will be a process, but he hates an absence of progress. He acknowledges it will be a process. He hates an absence of progress. It's going to take time. It's going to be difficult. You're going to face sins that you can't drive out until you get stronger. But never, never, never be slack to possess the land. Never. When I have people who come up to me, you know, your standards here at the church are, are pretty high. You're wanting us to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And I've been saved for 50 years, and I've never heard of that. You've been saved for 50 years, and you haven't conquered the Canaanite of faithfulness in church? How long are ye slack to go and possess the land? I've been saved for so long and I've never read my Bible through cover to cover. How, what, how, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? Now I'm about to get ahead of myself, but push, push. Well, they have iron chariots. You have God, push, push and grow and fight more, more, more. I want it, I want it. It belongs to me. Doesn't belong to you, belongs to me. Number seven, 
don't be discouraged because your sanctification takes time. Okay? And that's really the big one tonight. Don't be discouraged because your sanctification takes time. Don't be discouraged when some sins take longer to drive out than the others. Okay? Don't be discouraged by those sins that have iron chariots. Don't be discouraged by the sin that so easily, easily besets you. God understood when he justified you that it was going to take time to sanctify you. He understood. Remember this, and it's something that I read when I became a pastor, and it said, remember, when God called you, he already took how stupid you are into account. Now, let me take that, let me take that and change it. Remember, when God saved you, he already took how weak you are into account. And that's why he said, yeah, do you not think I could go into Canaan right now? And all of them would be gone, but you're not ready. If I were to do that right now, the land, the, the land would overtake thee, the beast would overtake thee. Little by little, okay? Little by little. We're going to get there, but little by little. Don't be discouraged by your defeats. Be encouraged that God has promised you the victory in time if you just stay faithful and keep fighting. Well, I got knocked down again. I got knocked down again. Well, be like Micah. And he says, rejoice not over me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. Get back up and fight again. It's when you get discouraged by those sins that you start doing what the Israelites started doing with the Canaanites. Okay? Judah drove out a lot of heathen within their first few years, but they couldn't drive out the Jebusites. They just couldn't do it. Took David to do it. Years, years, years later. And, and, and he, no, maybe, maybe it was, was it Caleb? I, I can't remember. It was a long time. Okay, it was a long time. I go, we can't do it. We can't do it. We can't do it. And instead of trying to drive them out and striving to drive them out, Judah just threw up their hands and said, well, we'll just find a way to live with them. God doesn't want you to find a way to live with your anger. He doesn't want you to find a way to live with your bitterness. He doesn't want you to find a way to live with your lust. Find a way to live with your alcohol. Find a way to live with your smoking. Find a way to live with your cursing. Find a way to live with your foolish thoughts and your laziness and your gossip and your hate. Find a way to live with your sin. Oh, it's just who I am. No, it is not who you are. It is no more I that do it. It's sin that dwells in me. And the sin needs to get out. It's not who you are. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. I'm sick of people saying, well, I've just dealt with anger for 20 years. It's just who I am. We'll change. Or how about this? Repent. Get right. Yeah. Yep. Well, I just can't, I just can't keep my temper. I just, it's, just, it's just who I am. <sighs> no, it's not. It's sin that dwells in you. And it's not supposed to dwell there. That they shall not dwell in the land. He doesn't want you to find a way to live with them. He wants you to drive them out. Do not allow discouragement in the battle against sin, get you to give up on the battle. And do not allow discouragement in the battle against sin to get you to compromise with it. Don't let it make you give up. Don't let it make you compromise. Right after God told the Israelites in Exodus chapter 23, this isn't going to happen in a year. You may not consume them all at once. This is going to happen by little and little. He then said immediately, in the meantime, don't serve their gods. 
don't serve them and don't make any covenant with them. It may take time, but during that time, don't get the idea that I'm okay with them. They shall not dwell in the land. When we read about the tribe of Manasseh who entered into their, their land of their inheritance, but they were not strong enough to drive out the Canaanites from their land. Yet it came to pass when the children of Israel were waxen strong, they put the Canaanites to tribute and did not drive them out. Instead of driving them out, they compromised with them. These are the people who get saved and they try to drive out their anger and they try to drive out their bitterness and they try to drive out their lust and they try to drive out their sin. They try to drive out their temper and their foolish thoughts and their, their cursing and their laziness and their gossip and their hate. They try to do it, but they're not able to at first, so they get discouraged. But over time, God increases them, God strengthens them. And when it comes time to where they would be able to drive them out, they don't. Instead, they say this, I've got it under control. I've got that sin under control. It's still there. Oh, but it's much better than it used to be. I only lose my temper when I really need to. I only lose my temper when it, what, serves your purpose? You haven't driven them out. You're putting it under tribute. I only drink when I really have a bad day. I only smoke when I'm really stressed out. Man, if I only smoked when I, really, when I was really stressed out, I'd be four packs a day, I'd tell you that much. Oh, I only, I only curse when I, when I really, really need to get something off of my chest, you know? But I, it's much better than I used to. Listen, it was never God's desire for you to have your sin under control. It was God's desire for you to get it out. Church, it's going to take time. It's going to be a process. Don't get discouraged with that process so that you give up or you compromise. Never give up. Get up. Never give in. Get in the fight. Even a just man falleth seven times, but he riseth up again. You lost again to the Canaanite of anger. You lost again to the Canaanite of laziness. You lost again to the Canaanite of, of lust and bitterness and alcohol, smoking, cursing, foolish thoughts, gossip, hate. Get, get back up, trust in God, and seek to drive them out from the land. Last one. As God is patient with us, be patient with others. Husbands, give God time to increase your wife and not... That way. You could give God time to increase your wife so he can drive out her sins. God understands it will be a process. Why can't you? Wives, be patient. Give God time to work on your husband to make him strong enough not only to drive it out, but to keep it out. Because right now, you're, you're constantly fighting because, well, you've told me that already. You've told me that already. You said that before. You said you were never going to do that again, and you do it again. And here we are fighting all over. Okay, okay. It's going to take time, not only for God to make sure he can get it out, but keep it out. And it's going to happen little by little. But so many marriages end in year number five because they're just not changing. Little by little. The marriages that have lasted 50, 60 years, you think they didn't have trouble? Are you kidding me? You think they never fought? They fight. They just learned how to fight fair. So many marriages just, just cut off because they're not giving each other time. Children, give God time to drive out the sins from your parents. Parents, give God time to drive out the, the sins from your children. And brothers and sisters in Christ, be patient with one another. 
We all came from Egypt and we still got a lot of Canaanites in here. And some of them are entrenched up in there. And before you start judging somebody else about the Canaanites in their land, why don't you look in your borders? Because a lot of people who look at the moat in somebody else's, I've got a huge beam sticking out of theirs. God's still working on you. Let him work on someone else. Hey, hey, hey. Instead of saying, well, they're not driving them out. They're not, why don't you help them? Give God time to increase people. Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. Oh, well, that would never happen to me. I'm so spiritual. Well, ye, ye which are so spiritual. Restore such an one. In a spirit of meekness, consider in thyself, lest thou also be tempted. God desires for all sin to be driven out from your life. He desires for all sin to be driven out from your life as soon as possible. He accomplishes that desire little by little because some sins are easily conquered. Some are entrenched. They require more time. They require a stronger battle. They require a stronger soldier. They require a longer battle. And God understands that. He commands for your sin to be driven out, but he understands it will be a process. So every day, seek to conquer more land. Never be slack. Never be slack. I want that mountain. It belongs to me. Don't be discouraged when it takes time. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Of all the sins that you pray, or all the prayers that you pray, how many of them are, Lord, I lost to that stinking Canaanite again? And you know what he tells you? Little by little, child, little by little. Stand back up and fight it again. And as God is patient with us, be patient one with another. One of my favorite videos that I watch of my kids, my wife is holding Haddon, and Everly and McKenna are singing a song to him. He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be, because he's still working on me. The way to holiness is not a speedway, it's a stairway. Victory is promised, but it is gradual. Be patient, but be purposed. Be purposed, but be patient. Step by step, little by little, and you will possess the land. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.